0: Welcome back to uh, Feeling Your Passion podcast. I got a. I've been watching too much Nine Club lately. Do you ever listen to Nine Club? No. His it skateboard podcast? Oh, okay. And he always goes, "We have a really special, special, special guest." <laughs> now, I keep wanting to say that, but uh, this has been in the works for quite a while. I know we both have crazy schedules. I have Brandon Steiner here. For those of you who don't know, this is why I have
1: a cheat sheet. Ah, okay. You ready?
0: I'm going to kind of put you on a little I'm gonna, pedestal I'm, I wanna here. I want to see
1: what you got. You got my resume. Okay,
0: ready? <laughs> for those of you guys who do not know, Brandon is a founding member of the used, two platinum, one gold record. Is that correct?
1: Uh, two platinum, two gold. Two gold for used. Um, for the used. In in the U.S. In the U- U.S., yeah. That's we have platinum and gold worldwide. All right. Several countries.
0: Uh, first Your first album with Rancid was Let the Dominoes Fall? Correct. Yep, okay. Uh, landing 11th in Billboard.
1: Really? Yeah. I That's know, cool. You might learn
0: something here, too. <laughs> Honor is all we know. Uh, troublemaker. And, of course, congrats on the new album. Thank you. In the last month or so here. Welcome, What's Brandon. that one
1: called? Oh, dude. You can't do that Oh, to me.
0: no. See, it wasn't on your notes. I've listened to it front to back numerous times. I was
1: literally asking because I was trying to think of what it was called. (laughs) (laughs) Actually. Tomorrow never comes. There
0: you go. There you go. I was like having
1: a brain fart for a second when you said that. I was like hearing you name the records. I'm like, oh, yeah. And which ones? uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you asked me to tell you the order, I could tell you the first one and the last one. Right. The other two. I I don't remember which came first. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But hell of a history you got, man. It's awesome to have you here. Thank Um, you. Some cool mutual friends here brought us together, and then you and I have been chatting for quite a few years now, and we finally made it happen. Yeah.
1: Well, it's an honor to have you here since we're in my home. Yeah, dude. I appreciate
0: (laughs) you opening the doors. It's been really cool to see your place. I know you've been bouncing around for the last—well, you had a little break through COVID, but you've been on the go nonstop, so it's got to be nice to do something at home base for once.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's nice. It's like, you know, when when worlds collide and you get to do different things— and and I rarely get to do stuff here at home. So, yeah, that's cool. Um,
0: it. Right off the bat, though, I do have a question. I don't know if you've noticed this. Okay. So, I'm on my Spotify all the time and looking at new releases. It's mm-hmm. kind of like curated for me now, you know, from what you listen to. Mm-hmm. And, dude, there's this weird theme, and I'm curious the inspiration behind it. So, the new Rancid album, yellow, right? Mm-hmm. Metallica's new album, yellow. Ah. Oh. Beartooth, you ever listen to Beartooth at all?
1: No, but I'm familiar. Yellow.
0: So they all came out around the same time. I was going to say, who
1: did it first? Right. So I
0: had all these yellow albums popping up. Weird. And I was like, is there something I don't know? Is that
1: like a great minds think alike? Or are we just copying each other and don't realize it? I'd like to think you guys did it first and then Metallica saw it and was like, that's pretty cool. I'd like to think that. I'm sure those, I mean, they've been inspired by us for so long. (laughs) (laughs) No, the rad thing is, is those guys are actually longtime friends with the, with my bandmates right. um i mean they're all bay area and and um they all toured together like Lollapalooza back in yeah like what mid 90s or something right um we did some shows with them in south america in 2017 that was rad because i had never seen them before or you know I, I didn't like i'm not like a huge follower or anything but um, right but it was rad and they were super good guys like we'd all go out to dinner and At, like, 3 a.m. in South (laughs) America, and it was, like, a cool first introduction to their world, you know, and it was cool to see all the guys interact because they've all known each other for so long. Yeah,
0: and at that point, they were already well-known around the world, so it was probably interesting just hearing the history from them and everything they've seen.
1: And, and I mean, we were playing for, like, a 100,000 people. It was insane. Right. Like, insane, so, but... um. But yeah, but I, I, I'm i sure they discussed it then that they were going to hold off on album artwork and like, oh whatever you guys do next, we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll take cue from that.
0: Yeah, Where does a lot of, do you have any say in album art? Or is...
1: uh, he, only in like the used days. Yeah. 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 Like I was, I was highly involved in everything. That was like my band, you know? Right. Um, with Rancid, it was one of those things where to me joining the band, I was, I treated everything about it very delicately. Because I was a big Rancid fan, mm-hmm. and I was like, "All right, as a fan, if some guy came in and just changed this band, totally. I'd be super bummed." Yeah, changed the way it sounds, changed the way it looked, change it, you know. It's like I love Rancid for Rancid, and so being the new guy, I was like, "Okay, I want to do this respectfully. Yeah. Where I want to stay true to the band's roots and and do my part."
0: kind of seamlessly come in. Yeah, yeah, you know
1: what I mean? But I also wanted it to feel like maybe a little up, you know, a little I don't know, like bring some energy, bring something fresh, yeah. you know, yeah. use my voice creatively and and so I do but with respect to to what keeps this band true to its nature, you know? And so totally. so it's a little more like a like a gig in the way that I there's kind of parameters to work within, I think. Yeah. Um and there's places to get involved. I get involved in a lot of the merchandising and things like that with some of the cool stuff we do, um, and you know design and things like that. Um, but when it comes to album art, that's been like a Tim thing for so long.
0: That's what my first guess was because I mean yeah. he's a hell of an artist himself. And yeah, it definitely looks like his art. right Yeah, there and on it's the cover. it's
1: kind of classic no brainer yeah, rancid. It's, it's like a black and white high contrast photo yep. of, of the band with the logo. Like yeah. It's basically yeah. just like pick what color, but we know what it will look like. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's like a nod back to Outcome the Wolves and things mm-hmm. like that, where it's just a classic, you know, yeah. that high contrast look.
0: Yeah, I know. I didn't want to dwell too much and ask you too much about music, but I, I got it, right? Yeah. And for those who maybe don't even know who Rancid is, I mean, I, I some cliff notes kind of on how you got there, and, you know, the used. I know you've talked about it before in our podcast, but it's a pretty awesome story, dude. Like it's inspiring story thank you thank you it's really rad
1: yeah i mean so so i'll try to give you the shortest version but i started the used in 2001 um as like an evolution of all my first bands you know i was just playing in garage bands with my friends for many years um lineups change names change things like that i named the band the used and we ended up getting signed to Warner Brothers Records in two thousand, late 2001. We officially signed their contract, like, January 1st, 2002. Made our first record and had an awesome career that we just really were delicate and, and careful about how we built because we mm-hmm. wanted to be, like, a grassroots band, and we just wanted to tour and tour and tour. So we did. Uh, I mean, our first record cycle, I think the longest break we had was 10 days off in, like, <laughs> Over a year and a half, or something, it was crazy. It's a we were just warrior status playing. Like there was a period that in 19 days we played 21 shows. Holy like, shit! And we were just in working. different
0: time zones and travel time, everything in between. It that. was just <laughs>
1: like we were transitioning from Warp Tour to Ozfest, yeah, and somehow like cramming club shows in at night <laughs> if we played early enough in the day, oh. and we were kind of playing like when we do club shows and stuff. It was kinda of like us and the bands we were on tour with were playing for each other in right. some places. We were all small unknown bands and so you'd just play for each other and whatever whatever got the eighteen music people out. happened yeah. to be in that club. But it was dope because the next time we'd come through that town, suddenly there's seventy people yeah. or hundred people or whatever. And it was like we just worked and worked and worked and then, you know, within a year our record was gold and we were playing like bigger, proper shows, you know. Yeah. And so I did that. Um, I've always been like a sober and drug-free guy never never messed with like the straight-edge thing and claimed anything it mm-hmm. wasn't about that it wasn't about religion it wasn't about anything it was just my choice I had been around a lot of um, substance use and abuse you know in my my early years and and it was just kind of one of those things that wasn't for me and I wasn't curious so I I Rolled with that, you know? Yeah,
0: that's impressive. I mean, in, historically in that line of work, there's a, there's a lot of drug yeah. abuse, alcohol abuse, and everything. I mean, you're constantly around it. Everywhere you go, there's there's free this, free that. Yeah. Craft services, everything. <laughs> right? It's, I mean, it's just a testament to, you know, sticking true to who you are. It's awesome that you are able to carry uh-huh. through those years and, and stick with that. I appreciate it.
1: You yeah. know, it was it was just one of those things, like, I think my teenage years were the big... I don't know, like the shaping years for yeah. that for me because I was like a diehard skater. Skateboarding was my life since I was 11 um, when I lost my father and and he passed away. And then um, he was the reason why I played drums, you know. He died by suicide, unfortunately. And so when I was like 16, I was just like an unhappy, depressed kid. You know, my stepdad was very abusive and and to my mom and my step siblings were to her. And there was just like a lot of violence and contention in our home yeah. um, that me and my brothers and sister managed to avoid at all costs. But, um, you know, calling the police weekly, yeah. you know, to come break up a fight and shit like that. It was just like I was really depressed and, and felt suicidal thoughts of my own. and And I just needed something, you know, and my friends were all kind of getting more and more into – smoking weed and partying and and drinking and stuff and we were kids you know like and so the more they did that the more I gravitated to music and and I decided to pick up drums because I stumbled over this photo of my dad when he was a teenager and he played drums yeah and I was like you know maybe I can take after something positive for my dad and and honor him in a way that you know, like could put a positive spin on his legacy and not just have it tainted by the way he went out. Right. You know? And so that was why I picked up drums in the first place. And then, um, fast forward, you know, like again, being around all my friends and all this stuff, it was like, I had enough going on. Like I didn't need to like bring in extra trouble when Mm -hmm. I was going home to this like contentious, violent, you know, poverty (laughs) like situation. We were quite a poor family, and and so I was just like, I don't need any added trouble. And so that was like the turn off of everything to begin with was I just didn't want to bring in extra trouble. And then as it's I got older and older— It's an incredibly
0: mature you know. decision for somebody at your age, too, to like, <laughs> That's I mean, dude, you don't hear that very often. That is, you knew what you wanted to do. Yeah. You took an interest in something. You knew that, hey, this is something that I can really focus, put my heart and soul into, and probably— Kind of let some emotion out. I mean,
1: oh, big time! It was beating counseling on the for drums
0: me. is not like a casual, just sitting there and relaxing thing. Right? Yeah, <laughs> You're well, broken. I was,
1: but but that's the thing. I was not a good drummer. Like I, skateboarding was my life, and and it was more than I knew what I didn't want to do. I knew who I didn't want to be like. You know, more than what I wanted to be, I didn't have this like vision of me in the future or anything I just knew what I didn't want to be yeah and I had plenty of examples of what not to do and so because of that it was just like well I know I'm gonna I'm gonna pe- treat people with love and respect as much as I can you know as a human being that we have to navigate this world and sometimes mm-hmm. that can be a tall order but like um I just know I I, I never want to be a violent person I never want to be um I never want to dabble with substances and things enough that they could affect me or create an addiction i've been around a lot of addiction in my life and and lost loved ones to addiction you know and and so it was a little more of a well the vision wasn't clear of who i wanted to be it was clear who i didn't want to be
0: right you know well dude i mean you've lived up to that to this day though because when i first met you it was through our mutual friend ken butch Mm -hmm. through ken block butch just kind of that that whole crew there and yeah I was blown away with, you've experienced it for sure in your life. You've met so many people that either you idolized or you you grew up watching in one way or another. Yeah. And they can be total dicks. Mm-hmm. And I remember the takeaway I was telling Butch when the first times you and I interacted, I'm like, Brandon has like taken the time to type like almost too big of a text. <laughs> <I was laughs> like, it's like, I meant that in the nicest way, in the best <laughs> way though. I'm like, dude, that is like... So round you could you could have just been like, hey, sorry man, I'm busy. But it was like, I'm busy this date, that date, this date. Let's circle back here. I got a window here, and I'm like, dude, I, that was just. I'm I mean, long winded. Speaks to who you are though. It's awesome. You don't you don't see that very often. That's a
1: thing. don't get an email from me. Yeah. That'll be that's gonna take some time. <laughs> you know. You're gonna have to like pause and resume to come back to those. You know, yeah. my storytelling gets. Too, carried away my emails and texts. I enjoy the hell of it. I have zero complaints, but I I just love like communicating. (laughs) I feel like as silly as it is, you know, having gone through so many years of counseling and things like Mm -hmm. that with, with the loss of my father, with the abuse in the household, all this stuff and the state mandated counseling for my siblings and I, you know, and, and it was like, you kind of recognize that talking through things is, is the biggest way to avoid dramas and, and more, Escalated problems and things like that. And I think I just carry that through my life in the way that I'm just like, I talk things through. Yeah. I think things through. I talk things through. You know what I mean? But and and I'm doing it right now where I didn't even finish my story. Um But so I, I guess to kind of recap and to wrap up that. So so I was in the used. Um we were doing that, we were working hard. And when we started the band, it was like three sober guys and one partying guy. Yeah. Like our singer had just come out of rehab. And and so it was just like he was doing his thing, but um, we were working really hard. Um, and then fast forward through some successes and things like that. The other guys were getting caught up in partying and stuff too, which is fine. You know what I mean? But it was a matter of like I was the one kind of doing all the business in the band. Mm-hmm. I, everything from writing the set lists and coordinating Whatever tours and, and production yeah. stuff and business with the on the label side of it, but um, then we got to a point where we got two buses and we decided to do like a sober bus and a party bus because then our crew and the people that didn't party didn't have to be on a bus with people that were eating okay, shrooms three at in the morning, five a.m. Yeah. and and you know partying literally all night long where it's like, I don't know, we're watching, like, romantic comedies on my bus. <laughs> Have <laughs> like, you seen Fifty First Dates yet? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I, like, my bus being, like, I was the only band member on that bus. Right. Um, but it was a full, e- each bus had, like, whatever, six, eight people on it. Um, but it was great, I thought. It, it seemed like a good fix to mm-hmm. that, where everybody could just, you do you, I'll do me, like, to each their own, you know? Because I didn't care it was just like when we started canceling shows because people were sick from partying too much or things like that that was where it would start to affect me and i'd have an attitude about it like no come on yeah. cut the shit you know like understand
0: you're but, passionate about what you were doing and yeah and something's in the way of that yeah i can understand when well, we had that like
1: one in a million shot you know yeah. we were told like you're never going to make it you're a band from utah yeah no one's ever gonna do that we we're the first signed band out of utah state ever really you know what i mean as far as like a, a rock band yeah. like um and so it was just like, this was, un, you know, we were paving our own road. And it's like, let's not fuck it up because you guys want to eat shrooms at 5 a.m. <laughs> like, there's a time and place when we have a day off the next day, then do that shit. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Not when we have a show the next day in New Jersey or whatever. And now we have to cancel it. And, and it's like, that kind of stuff would be frustrating. But I'd be the first guy, like, going and taking care of our singer, bringing him supplements and tea and, and whatever to help anything get to get you better, on the stage you know yeah. yeah and so but what i didn't know is that that was kind of creating a wall between us and ultimately in the end like right when we were about to make our third record um i got fired for being too different than the band because they wanted somebody to party with them mm-hmm. so it literally was like opposite of what you'd expect where yeah. i feel like i was the first guy in the rec in the music industry to get fired for not doing drugs and partying (laughs) you know like it was crazy how do you
0: process being delivered something like that i mean because it's like you're out for a positive reason at the end Mm -hmm. of the day Mm -hmm. but you're also out of something you love with a bunch of dudes you care about like it's kind of a a, gotta be an emotional roller coaster
1: oh big time and that roller coaster just exploded you know (laughs) like and the parts are still going up and down and it was like yeah, that was a, a really low point for me because it was like, well, what good is it to do what you feel is the right thing? Mm-hmm. You know, I was in a monogamous relationship. I was just getting, I had just gotten married. I was like, always a faithful person. I just try to do good business and be honest and all this stuff, and do what I felt was right. Mm-hmm. And because I I respected my career and I respected how fortunate I was to have that career, and I wanted it to last as long as possible. Mm-hmm. So I was really like lost in the way of like, well, what good is it to be like that and to make what you think are the right decisions if this is what it's going to get you? Yeah, But it really, I think my, my resentment wasn't toward like the world, like, well, fuck it, I'm just going to do what I want. It was nothing like that. It didn't jar me in who I was. If anything, it, it secured me that much more in, in my convictions. But, but it, what it left is a really bad taste in my mouth at the music industry... Yeah. And I was just kind of like, I'm done. Like, fuck this. Like, I don't want to be a part of an industry that I being, you know, handling myself the way I did ends up making me lose my job. My producer bailed on me, my label, all these people, because they were all in a position where they could make more money off the band. Mm-hmm. If this new record was just made how they wanted it to be made. And so it was just like kind of the less friction route yeah. to just go with the band. And it was just like, really? Really? Like, but I, you know, of our band because of me, yeah, because the demos I submitted to you, like, I got our band signed, like I was one of the key writers in our band, and and then like, you know, it it was what it was, and so, but ironically, um, fast forward, and I was like done. I didn't play drums, and, and this was like a very short period, by the way. Like, um, this that, was in two thousand six. That's was curious. I'm
0: like, trying to think of. Uh digging into like discography of the used and rancid where, Mm -hmm. how long this timeline was between these two.
1: I believe it was August 1st, 2006. I got kicked out of the band. Yeah. Uh, Fast forward to October and I just, I, I, it was like, I lost my mind, but I, I felt like I was, I'd never been more clear in my thoughts, but I like went out and bought a boat (laughs) because I had just found wake surfing and I lived right by a lake and I was just like, I spent seven days a week at the lake just wake surfing with my friends. (laughs) My drum tech, good friend of mine, my my wife who worked for the band, we were all unemployed all of a sudden. And rather than like run out and get jobs and worry or stress, we were like, fuck it. And we just went to the lake and played in the lake every day. Still a little bit of living. Yeah. So irresponsible. But at the same time, I think was the best thing I could have done because it kept me in a positive headspace. You know, and it was just like I was having fun. I wasn't stressing. And it's like, how am I going to even pay for this boat? How am I going to pay yeah. for anything? But you're
0: around a bunch of people that believe in you. Yeah, and, and I'm like, and know who you are. Yeah. And
1: that was the thing too; is it was it drew a very you know clear line in the sand when I got kicked out of the band, where all of a sudden a lot of my friends just opted, like as if there were sides to take. Yeah. And took the side of my band, and it was like, really? Because I'm not like in a big band now. You find I'm out not, who your friends are. I'm not man, your and friend, and yeah. yeah. So it was like my circle. I really you know, embrace that idea of I'd rather have four quarters than a hundred pennies, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like my friends, I truly embrace because it's like the ones that stood by me through that. Yeah. It made it clear who my friends were, totally. you know? And then, um, so we had a blast and then toward the end of October, um, Rancid was playing two shows in Salt Lake city and, um, uh, Max Weinberg, uh, Springsteen's drummer, mm-hmm. a legend, Son
0: is a Slipknot drummer. Yeah, Jay. Jay.
1: Yeah, he's like a brother to me. Those guys are like family. Hell Um, of a talented family. (laughs) Oh, so incredibly talented. Yeah. Um. But Max was calling me like every other day and like giving me pep talks and stuff. And I'll never forget. He said at at one point in one of our conversations, he was like, "You know, when Bruce broke up the E Street Band, Ringo Starr would call me every day and give me pep talks. So I feel like it's my like." Uh, that's what I want to do for you, yeah. you know. I want to, I want to give you the same, you know, like support. And I was just like, my mind was blown. Like Ringo, okay, that's my to question. Max, to me, like what? That's I was just gonna say. Did you have a pinch me moment there? When oh, the whole thing was a pinch me. Name it was a dropping, slap me. yeah.
0: Ringo <laughs> star. It, the Beatles, Ringo star. Is, yeah, is was talking to you and now you feel the honor to carry that through me.
1: And part of me is yeah. like
0: trying to play it cool.
1: Like, Oh yeah, this is totally a normal sentence that someone would <laughs> yeah. say to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like what the fuck? Like it was just bizarre, you know, but it was like in this super low. So it was like, he was throwing me that, you know, life preserver where it's like, it was just literally felt like a lifeline to hear yeah. things like that. Like, wow. Okay. And, it, and I still was just like, who the fuck am I? But it was just like, All I know is like Max Weinberg thinks I should not give up and quit. Maybe there's something to this, you know, and it was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but maybe I should do something. And then that I was, I literally was on the phone with him one night, um, for like the 40 minute drive to Salt Lake city to go see rancid. Um, I was with my best friend, Spike, my, my wife at the time, who's still one of my best friends on earth. Um, and she and I went to see Rancid. We've loved Rancid forever, and one of my favorite bands. And the guys were like, um, a, naturally, a beach ball yeah, just blew by my by, blew by my back door. <laughs> it's a normal thing, <laughs> but um, but uh, so we go to the show and we get in, and like I had become friends with the guys on Warp Tour in two thousand three, um, when the Used and Rancid were mm-hmm. two of the headliners that year, and um, and so I knew the guys enough that like they got me in the guest list and. I ran into them side stage before they were going on and talked to them. They're like, man, we heard about what happened. That's f- up. Like stick around afterward. We want to talk to you. And I was like, okay, rad. And they're like, shout me out on stage and stuff while they're playing. And I'm like, Oh no way. Like one of my favorite bands. Yeah. They're in my hometown. They're giving me shout outs. Like I'm, I'm kind of coming out from under my rock, you know, and, and finally off my boat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and it just felt really good. I'm you know? sunburnt,
0: but I'm at the rain. <laughs> right. <trail. laughs>
1: and like, So we hang out afterward and we are talking on the bus and like, they're, they're telling me to tell the whole story. So I'm just going in depth, telling the story more so than I am now. And, um, and you know, in the end they were, they were funny about it. They're like, those guys, like, you're the only one we liked anyway. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, and, um, and then Tim was just like, you know, like, keep your chin up, man. Keep playing. He's like, something's going to work out for me. I got a good feeling about it. Like something's going to work out for you. And he was like encouraging, like he even said at one point, he's like, maybe just start a band with your friends. And I was like, yeah, but I did that, yeah. And look what it got me. Like, I don't exactly have the motivation to try it again and put everything of me into this again, just to lose for an it, unknown yeah. for bullshit reasons. Yeah. And so I was like, I was like, yeah, you know, like, ah, uh, I don't know that that's the answer for me, but whatever, we'll see. And then he, we talked about maybe me producing because I was, I've mm-hmm. been. I've loved producing records and stuff. And so um, he's like, yeah, maybe you can produce something for Hellcat. Like, I don't know. And and so we, like, exchange information and stuff. And then I go to the show the next day. We hang out. Same kind of thing. And then, like, I kind of go home from these days. And I I just was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to go for it. Like, I'm going to play. I don't know what I'm going to do. I need to just, like, get reacquainted with my drums. And so I made this, like, playlist of, like, every kind of music from, like, Pop, jazz to to heavy music to you know and hardcore to that you, punk that you to, recorded like, just like just a demo tape basically no or just, like playlists like from my iPod okay, like yeah, of yeah. just songs I love yeah. you know and jazz and like anything and I just started playing drums every day and this was like a Monday that I started and and having just seen those guys before the weekend and I started playing drums every day and then that Friday. Tim like well Tim had been hit me up a lot just like checking in on me and just right. saying hey, which was sweet. And then he he hit me up on this like Friday and and I thought it was just the same kind of thing. And he's like, oh, I'm like chilling at home in L. A. Like, hit me up. And I'm like, oh, like or is like call me. I was like, he never says to call me. Like, <laughs> I was stoked. Like it's Tim Armstrong, you know. I was like, yeah, like, yeah. Hello? but um. And so I remember I was driving home from hanging out with one of my friends and had gotten a message and and I was like, all right. And I got home and like parked in my like little side driveway or whatever. And I, I can just see it all. And I call him up and he's just like, hey, and sounds all somber. And I'm like, oh, fuck. and he's like, hey, man, how's it going? Like, I'm like, good, good. What's going on? I like he's your like, Tim
0: impression. Yeah. How
1: you how you doing? <laughs> uh, you know? and It's hard to not do it. <laughs> but like, and he's just, it goes on to tell me that, that Brett Reed, the drummer of Rancid, had just quit the band and my heart just sank. I was going to say, dude. I was so bombed. I was like, my assumption, my first thought was that he's telling me rancid's done. So and it wasn't was,
0: even slightly in the back. I mean, purely out of love for your other friend. Yeah, yeah.
1: Brett was a friend of mine, yeah. like a good friend of mine. They all are. But at
0: that moment, you had no assumption. Dude, no, not no, even no on the idea. Table.
1: Yeah. No idea at all. My, It was just it, a matter of seconds. But I was just like, oh, like crushed. Like, not this, like you guys were yeah. just like trying to give me hope and now you're fucking done. It was like my instant thought. But he's just like, yeah, like he just quit Rancid and he's like, we have this big sold out UK tour coming up in in like five days. And I'm like, fuck. And he's like, yeah, so we're just wondering, will you do it? And I just- Five days of prep time? <laughs> not even, the tour started in five days. Oh. Like, and so I just instantly- I mean, the words came out of my mouth just like fuck yeah, yeah, and he's like hell yeah, like, and I'm just like instant stomach churns, tears down my face, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, and he's like yo, I'm gonna have Lars call you, like, like so stoked, hell yeah! I'm like okay, and I'm like oh, (laughs) hang up the phone. I'm just like like straight to the drums. (laughs) What the hell, dude? It gives me goosebumps still, but like. Yeah. Well, it was like straight to the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. was just like a mess. And like, dude, for Lars called me like, I don't know, an hour later, Yeah, gave me 25 songs to learn. And we set up a rehearsal for like two or three days later. Um, we like had this little rehearsal studio, all borrowed gear because all the band's gear was on its way to the UK. I think Manchester or something um, was the first show. And And so we're just like on borrowed equipment. We get there and I'm there early and they're just like warming up and stuff. And the guys walk in the room and just like, it's like an ambush. They're like, Hey, and they all give me a hug, put on their guitar, guitars. And I'm like, shit. So I sit down. (laughs) We're going into this now. (laughs) And then Lars is just like, let's play roots. And then just starts playing roots radicals right then. I'm like, Oh my God. Like they haven't even been in the room for one minute yet.
0: There's no how you been.
1: Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) how's the family? Like, Okay. So we start playing and we just go, and I'm playing the song, and it's just like so intense, but at the same time, so familiar. Yeah. Because it's like, I know these songs, like the back of my hand, but ironically, I never played drums to Rancid songs. Like, I knew more songs of theirs on guitar probably than than drums. Oh, really? You know, just because it was like, no disrespect to, to Brett at all, but the drums were not exactly like difficult or, or that mm-hmm. interesting. The songs are incredible, but the drums are pretty pretty elementary which is awesome like for the song it works great you know? for the yeah, song. yeah yeah and brett's an incredible drummer. Ra- ranted like, tone yeah. yeah and he's an awesome drummer and i respect that he would play what the song needs not what made him look good right because that's what to me that's more what a good drummer is you know oh. it's not a flex of how many notes can you play it's a flex of how creative can you be for the song, right. you know? So I think Brett was an incredible drummer and did a great job with Rancid, but it was just not, like, necessarily appealing for me to play along to. So well, I knew these songs so well, I hadn't actually played them, you know? And so, so yeah, it was so intense. buckle up. <laughs> yeah. So we play Roots Radicals. We get done. The guys seem stoked. I'm kind of feeling it out. And then they're like, let's try a fast one. Let's try It's Quite All Right. And that song, like, on the record, like only has like a few fills and they're kind of like you know filling some gaps going from verse to chorus or whatever but because i knew the song so well like as far as the whole song goes like you know vocals and everything i just heard spots where there's room for more right That wouldn't step on the toes of bass or or guitars so i just threw like a little bit of me in there you know and played the song you know, plus one, <laughs> and then and then we got done with that, and they were so stoked, like all just laughing and smiling, and they were so fired up. Yeah. And then they're like, "Let's take a break," and I'm like, "Take a break! We've just played like four and a half minutes worth of music." <laughs> like, what are, I'm just thinking, like, I'm so stressed. It was intense. five songs, you but know? it was four and a
0: half minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's like so intense. So we go outside, and they're like having phone calls and cigarettes and whatever, and I'm just sitting there like not knowing what the hell, like just still so nervous, you know? And then they come over and just all at once all sit around me at this like picnic table outside of the studio and sit down and Matt Freeman sits across from me and he's like, all right, so we want you to be a permanent member of rancid. You'll be like, a, a, you know, a this is all the same day, same day for, four, <laughs> four minutes into playing together. And he's like, yeah, you'll be a full member, like full quarter member. Like we want you to join the band permanently. And I'm like, yeah, of course. And they're like, fuck yeah, let's go jam. I'm like, what is happening? So now you're like, jamming while processing this. Yeah, yeah I'm like, yeah. I just joined Rancid? Like, how the fuck was this? A, yeah. What? Because honestly, I swear to God, I did not think this meant I was joining the band. To me, it was like, I'm helping my friends out while they sort shit out. Fill because the tour. they have this tour that's yeah. coming up that's sold out. and And they can't bail on it. And... I know how the logistics of that shit go. Like, that's going to screw you if you cancel a tour like that, yeah. you know? And so, so it was like, I was just helping my friends and then who knows? Yeah. Who, yeah, anything could happen. It's like but, going to an
0: interview for a custodian job and all of a sudden you're like a director. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> exactly. On the same day. <laughs> Yeah.
1: And so, um, yeah. And just like that, I joined Rancid and then, uh, we went back in, we jammed like maybe another half hour and I was just like, wait, we're done. Like we haven't even played through one full set. <laughs> And then they gave me 15 more songs that night to learn that I learned that night just playing on pillows in my hotel room. And then the next day we jammed again and played for only about 45 minutes total. Wow. Where our shows were 90 minutes at the time, you know, like a 30 plus song set list. And, uh, and yeah. And then we got on a plane, flew to UK and it's history since. And dude, like the first show we were playing songs I had never played at the band before.
0: Nothing in rehearsal, even just stuff. not at all. We never played through a full set, for you, huh?
1: Yep, yeah. we had never played through a full set, and some of those songs I hadn't even played on a drum set. Wow! But only pillows because I never you had just a chance shit and to play on them. That first show, dude, I was so nervous, but it was like the second we started, like any show, it just goes away. Yeah, adrenaline and it's just kicks in, and like yeah, yeah that second of that downbeat, yeah. it's the best feeling. So yeah, and then on the tour, every day at sound check, Lars would like. Bust out a song like, you know, Junkie Man or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I know of it. Like, yeah. And he's like, you got it. And I just like <laughs> play along, just what I remember from listening to the records for so long. We'd play the full song. Like, yeah, let's play that one tonight. I'm like, oh my God. Like, it just became laughable. Like, All right. I guess I got it. Yeah, and it kind of just taught me to trust myself a little bit more. Where it's like, no, I know these songs right. just because I don't know the drums parts specifically where kick drums are and whatever. It's like I was so inside of the creativity and approach to what Brett did on those records that it's like, no, I I know what
0: you got the structure, he was but then doing. you can put your creative twist on it. Yeah, yeah, kind of almost like the songs are almost reborn again. Exactly. A, of a new touch to it. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And, and I had the advantage too, where like we make records in a really unique way. Um, at least from what I've done in the past with, with my previous bands. But like when we record, we tend to just like write something right then and jam it. And like, it'll usually even be like on acoustics. We'll be in a circle or something. I don't even have sticks. I'm just like tapping on my yeah. lap and we'll kind of write like a rough idea and then Brett Gerwitz, our producer, will be like, cool, let's try it. And so I sit down to the drums to play this song for the first time ever that we just barely wrote. <laughs> and I'll be like making up the part as I go, but I don't know what the vocal's going to do. I don't know. I'm just trying to remember the the pocket, the, mm-hmm. you know, what tempo we are doing and the structure of the song. And so I'm kind of just have to play it safe where it's like, I just need to lay down a foundation yeah. that we can build upon. Because I don't know what the vocal is going to do. I don't want to step on it. I don't want to do like flashy fills and tricky beats and shit that's going to fuck up mm-hmm. what a vocal could do. Because in the end, that's what's important mm-hmm. is the vocal and the overall song, not the individuals. Right. You know? and, and, um, but because of that, learning the whatever it was at the time, seven rancid records or whatever <laughs> um, that they had before, I know those songs so well that I know what the vocal is doing. I know what the bass is doing. I know what the, yeah. everything the guitars are doing. I know all that. So I get to play what Brett did, but then I have the advantage of knowing where the gaps are that right. I can add a little anything. Like even the the most subtle little thing. I don't go crazy with any of it. Cause that's, it would change the band.
0: Totally. You, you know? and I were talking about this off camera, how some bands have, you know, tried to go down a new Avenue and it, some It works a lot mm-hmm. of the time, but then other times it just kind of, you know, they slip away and their record sales go down, their streams go down, and then you kind of forget about that yeah. band. Rancid for 30 years has stayed rancid. Yeah. I mean, yeah. down to the new album. There's like a, I think there's like a 48 second track on there or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. So. <laughs> Which is rad. Yeah. So my coworker, Scott, um, we sent each other the album and it came out and I got new rancid album out today. And I'm like, what do you think of it? And he's, he goes... It's classic rancid. I love it. Rad, rad. And it's cool that it's, you know, people are still that, like, you know what you're signing up for. Yeah. You're not bummed yeah. about it. You're like, this is going to be fast exactly. and awesome. And it's going to be rancid just like it's been since day one.
1: And I think that's kind of the objective when we're going in to make a record. It's kind of like a lot of times we'll we'll discuss what it is we want to do. Like, you know, I, I mean, it could be as, as, as simple as you know, are we doing any ska on this record? Are we doing, you know, do we want to write a fast hardcore record? We want to, we'll kind of have this overall idea of what we're going for. And um, this one was a little bit more of a nod to like the let's go area era where I love that record. That's one of my favorite rancid records. So to me that was like, all right. Yeah. Like I know exactly what to do. (laughs) You know? So every song we'd write, this is my calling. I'm just thinking of (laughs) let's go type stuff. And like, oh wait, I think we should do this thing. Like, You'd be hello, let's go. If we did like this half halftime part right here, like right before this part or whatever, and like, and it was kind of fun because as a fan, you know, like I just kind knew of, those kind of things as if I was a part of those records being made, right? And um, yeah, it's been it's been a trip, but um, but so you know, I, I got a question for you here. Yeah. So
0: Growing up, I grew up. Um, like, action sports heyday, I want to say. Okay. Granted, there is kind of... I just watched X Games, whatever, a few weeks ago now. It was the first time I watched X Games in a while and thought, oh, dude, it kind of looks like X Games. Like, it was packed. There's yeah. people everywhere. I was stoked for it. Action sports kind of on the up and up in the last few years. But um, at what point... You, you said you grew up doing, you know, BMX and skateboarding and all of that. It's interesting to me how influential punk rock or heavy metal, all of that has been in action sports, whether it's freestyle motocross, skateboarding, BMX, whatever it is, those two like uh, disciplines just seem to collide yeah. so seamlessly. Like For you growing up being a skateboarder, was there a point when you realized like, dude, this is kind of rad. I'm into these sports. I'm into these bands. These two worlds are colliding,
1: and I get to like share my passion of both of them at the same time. I think it was one of those like – I think the passion came from those being kind of married. I mean, they're, 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 they're siblings, you know, it's like growing up. I mean, for me, when I was growing up, skateboarding was like, you know, late eighties, all through the Mm nineties, you know? And it was like, that was the outcast sport. And you wouldn't ever call it a sport back then either. You know what I mean? Like it was, we were just, it was a subculture, you know, and it was just what we did. It was Rodney
0: Mullen and Tony Hawk were the only names anybody knew of.
1: Yeah, you yeah. know, and it was just like skaters were you know, we were bullied, we were chased, we were we we're you know, people trying to beat us up and stuff, and it was just like you're just getting heckled everywhere you go. And it was just like it it was it was punk rock. Yeah. You know, skateboarding is punk rock and, and BMX at the time too, with Matt Hoffman, Dave Muir, Dennis McCoy, all these like legends and people like paving the way for this Mm -hmm. sport you know again it i would have never called either of these a sport back then but but they are in all fairness um but it, it was just one of those things where i don't know which came first chicken or the egg in the way that it's like punk rock like kind of being tied to these action sports or these action sports being tied right. to punk rock. It's like, it's like no, one in the same, these you know?
0: films, everything. Like I grew yeah. up watching crusty demons and I don't know if you are aware, like slednecks films. It was the snowmobile version of crusty demons through okay. the nineties and early two thousands. There's rancid, bad religion, Pennywise, no effects, yeah. social distortion in those. Oh yeah. So like I was shaped, I was obsessed with sleds and bikes growing up. Right. Yeah. So I watched these movies which I then immediately associated these songs with the sport. So yeah. to this day, if I'm going to the parking lot, it's like, all right, there's some Pennywise in the mix. There's some Social D. There's some Lamb of God in the mix. Like, yeah. but it's one of those things where I'm like remembering what segment it was from and what movie, right? and I'm just associating <laughs> it takes with you that. Back. And I'm putting my helmet on. You know, got the door open the truck, blasting music, getting fired up. Yeah, and it just hasn't changed, man. It's like yeah. when the video games ps2 all that stuff i feel like it opened up the genre to so many kids mm-hmm. i see so many kids saying hey remember this from tony hawk pro skater 2 or whatever yeah. or that song was on tony Hawk pro skater 2 oh like, yeah
1: that soundtrack became yeah. as as pivotal as uh, pivotal as the game yeah <laughs> like know? like, and Colin. like yeah. i
0: discovered that band through i want to say a dave mirror game or something yeah and that just kept opening it up i mean that's just kind of product of my generation being a you know nine 10 11 12 year old kid when those games are coming out yeah but uh yeah it's action sports the role it plays in working in action sports myself mm-hmm. you just it's just been so influential and in, in well, it's I've,
1: like the soundtrack of that lifestyle you yeah. know and it and it just again these were like outcast subculture mm-hmm. type of activities you know that that eventually caught on to the the mainstream if you if you will but like but that wasn't where it originated, it, this wasn't like the cool thing to do. None of these things were the cool thing to do, but it was where you found the most passion and the most heart and the most culture and the most yeah. diversity and all these great elements that, that, that skateboarding and BMX and all these action sports had. And then it was just kind of like the world was late to catch up. Like, oh, now you get it too. And then it became the cool cool thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like it's like that's all good and fine. You know, like it's rad. These are these are for everybody. You know, like it it doesn't matter where you found skateboarding. Mm -hmm. You know, you should feel like you're welcome to be a skater as well. It shouldn't be like suddenly the cool kid club. Where like, no, you can't. You're not grassroots enough, or you're not. It's like no, that that's like that's not the way to do it. It's a it's a community and and. I think the the purists and the and the legit people will always embrace the evolution and totally. and the new people because the, these new faces I mean these were people that were born in the 2000s that are changing the shape of these sports now and, mm-hmm. and taking them to a next level you know you see the crazy shit that people are landing and I just saw a 12
0: doing. year old do a he was trying to kick flip 900 and best trick on the yeah on the pipe insane it's like, insane what
1: was that the kid that was out at tony's spot skating too yeah
0: and then tony dropped in on best trick at x this year yeah he yeah so dope and so he got to watch this 12 year old trying to kickflip indy nine insane you insane know, what 24 years later after tony landed the yeah. nine he's yeah watching a kid that was yeah, like that's awesome
1: that's got to like mess with you but at the same time feel incredible yeah you know and, and to me it was like you know living in a small town in utah my exposure to stuff wasn't, you know, like there wasn't much music in my house. I was really late to the game, but so much of the great music that I discovered was through like skate videos and things yep. like that and BMX videos and snowboarding videos. And, and it was like, you hear these songs and it was like, all right, is it the song making this part so right? rad or is the part making the song so rad? Cause this mix is f-ing perfect. And it was like, so good, and you found so much good music that way. and yeah. That was like a lot of my entry and, and discovery into that world in the first place was through skate videos. Yeah, some of the
0: tracks on them, honestly, I'm like ruined by them. So yeah. like, for example, in the sled world, Slednecks 8, this isn't like in 2005. Mm-hmm. There's this guy up in Alaska called or named uh, Jason Semler, and he has Before I Forget by Slipknot. Is the song and okay. then you know that intro comes in that dan on the beginning of the song. I'd have
1: to. I don't. I don't remember off hand <laughs> <laughs> I love that you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyways, there's a pause yeah. and then Corey Taylor comes in, but there's a pause and he hits like this 200 footer and it's just the sound of him brake tap throttle brake tap throttle in the air in the pause in the track. So now when I hear the song, I mean you this, hear that this came out 18 years ago. This movie, I'm mm-hmm. like where's the sled sound (laughs) like it's Uh just been for that (laughs) long you know like these songs and these films just went hand in hand yeah now i picture every shot you know i can remember like oh this part of the song he's hitting this drop up in in canada or whatever totally it's just wild there's nothing else like that where they clash that well
1: i love it i love it again they're hand in hand you know it's like so many of those so many of those skaters bmxers all, all these riders so many of them are musicians too yeah and then so many of these like professional bands are also skaters and riders, and you know and, and it's it's dope mm-hmm. it's like it's it's rad to see the way the worlds merge you know and mm-hmm. and the way that it's not just simply the music is a great soundtrack for that and vice versa it's actually people that do these things right you know? i mean like me it was like I've been skateboarding start. since I was 11, and I still do. I definitely ride like a 45 year old drummer <laughs> now when I skate. But the ramps are getting smaller, yeah, yeah. the stair gaps are getting smaller, the coping's getting a little it's, easier. You can't bang up to, on it. We're back to parking blocks. Yeah. You, know, you can't instead hang of up on, our, on a rock fake yeah, anymore. Yeah. Exactly. But it's like, but the love is still there. I still get the same thrill out of skating and landing a trick totally. and whatever. It doesn't matter if I'm doing like a board slide shove it. It's like. For me, that's exciting to stick it and like, right. like, cool, like you know, it's like, yeah, that's nothing. There are children at the local skate park that are doing far cooler shit. Yeah, but I don't give a, like, it's not a contest. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I wanted, I compete. wanted my
0: eyes. Yeah, yeah.
1: So yeah, I love it. I love it.
0: Um, I love watching your social because uh, you know you dove into the UTV thing. I know Ken introduced you to a lot of that and kind of taught you the, the fundamentals on, like, how to jump properly and mm. not blow out axles and all that. But, <laughs> After
1: um, a few blown out, a, <laughs> I broke one of his axles on one of his machines my first time I ever got in one.
0: <laughs> I'm sure, I, I bet he wasn't even shocked. No, it, it,
1: and he found out via text, because yeah. I was riding with, like, Butch and Forrest and, and the crew down at Little Sahara, and Ron was driving this particular one. It was, like, a four-seater. And Ron was jumping, and I was, like, getting photos of it and then ron's like you want to try it i'm like oh hell yeah (laughs) which i'm out there like on my atv like you know we we joked earlier i've I've, the rollerblading of the dirt world um but i grew up on like four wheelers and that was like the thing in my household so i love four wheelers to this day but um i was out there on my four wheeler and i'd jump like 70 feet or something throw it on that thing and so i was thinking like oh are you kidding like a roll cage and yeah. seatbelts and like, easy. I'm not even like, you know, I'm I like, I could send this. However, <laughs> like it just seemed so like not sketchy to me. And so I jumped in, but I was used to like with my four wheelers, like keeping a consistent throttle. Mm-hmm. So you didn't nosedive or like the muscle memory. Yeah, And, uh, yeah. and so I would, like feather it. And then usually would like land with some throttle still. And just to ride out and, And thinking that would be the same approach to one of those, you know? And so I've just like my first try, just like send it. And like Ron got the best photos of me. Like, I remember I posted it that day. It's like, you'd have to scroll back quite a ways, but it was this great photo of me just sending this four seater, like quite a ways in the air and throwing it far. But I would land with my foot still on the gas a little bit, oh man, not knowing, you know, and, 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 um, my inexperienced ass, like, Whatever, and then sure enough, like we actually don't know if I broke it or Ron because he was doing the same stuff, um, but but sure enough, I you think definitely we ended up both breaking two of them. Participated a bit, in yeah. The we, we weren't doing any favors. <laughs> it was an to even yeah. And this is before like the Maverick X threes came out. Right, this is like. The models right before that
0: like almost like a trail UTV at that time yeah they were yeah. very like narrow and
1: yeah they had a very utility mm-hmm. vibe to them still like a razor and, and things like that were doing for so long um and it was like right around the time bj baldwin's uh new video had come out um oh it
0: was the one's was the side by side or the trophy truck
1: it was the trophy truck yeah. but they had the side by side brian scotto yeah. was in the side by side Ripping around, and he was wearing a Bigfoot costume.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember it. Yeah, it's kind of a Jim connor like video. But yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: It, it was BJ's version of like a Jim connor Yeah. Um, I think it was through Oregon or somewhere, somewhere up, kind of. Yeah, a view. yeah. But um, but I had seen that video and it looked so dope, and it made me want one of those. And I actually wrote the song for that video, like the outro, oh, no like song during the credits. Yeah. Scotto hit me up and was like, "Hey, do you want to do a song for this?" Like. And you just kind of gave me some parameters. Like, yeah, we want it to be like a punk song. Maybe like kind of about a chase and this and that. And (laughs) just kind of gave me some stuff to work with. And so I just wrote the whole song by myself. Like I played every instrument and sang it and did everything.
0: I got to rewatch it now.
1: And it's in the credits of that. uh, That's rad. Of that shot. And that was actually how I got my first Can-Am. Because their budget was like tapped out. So they paid me by sending me one of their prototype Can-Ams. And it had been like destroyed and rebuilt and destroyed and rebuilt. So it was like one man's trash is another man's right. treasure kind of thing. I was stoked as hell to get it. But anyway, so I I had text Ken at the end of that day that we were writing and, and that I, I broke it. I sent him like the photo of me jumping hella big. And, and I was like, dear Ken block, like, thanks for letting me like, play on your new can am or whatever. I was like, <laughs> I might've busted some shit on it. Sorry. Thanks again. Or whatever. You can have it back now. And he wrote back like you bastard. Like, ah, <laughs> and then he's just like, haha ha, that's awesome. Or whatever yeah. it was. But, um, but it was, it was good times. And then, yeah, him and I have done like countless adventures on those things through Moab, through, you know, Sand Hollow. And dude, you're in such a good spot so. for it. That's kind of become your outlet, huh? When you're off the road,
0: oh, mean, yeah. you built a house where you can, pull out of your driveway and go ride for exactly hours upon hours. I love Um, it. I love it. That's just, that's kind of where our two worlds collide a bit. I mean, that's for our whole pro team. I mean, the the snowmobile thing is like, once the helmet's on and you're out there, there's not a worry in the world. You're just everything, business, right? whatever relationships. It's like, once you're in that helmet and you're fully invested in something that you love front to back, like, dude, it's the greatest feeling in the world. Yeah. And granted, I'm sure it's the same for you with music. But having something like that gives you probably a similar feeling mm-hmm. outside of your day job has got to be an absolute joy.
1: Well, and it's it's interesting when you're like when your primary hobby becomes your job, yeah. And your like number one passion when it becomes work and how you pay your bills,
0: you get it. <laughs> yeah, you're speaking it's like, to the choir, man. I
1: I feel like having other hobbies that you can be passionate about are what keep everything in in perspective you yeah, know I'm and super and it, into knitting yeah right no, no. hell like if it, whatever it would take <laughs> you know and and like i i honestly think that like whether i'm wake surfing and, and playing on my boat or, or can ams or pickleball or skateboarding or whatever it is it's like i love doing all these things i don't really like i'm not worried about pushing all of them and being like crazy like whatever good at them Dude. i just okay. love doing these other outlets because it keeps everything feeling like hobbies and so, when I go back to music, it doesn't feel like I'm, oh, now I'm checking in for work. Right. It's like, no, this is just another hobby. I'm just a little bit better at this one. Yeah. And me and my friends get to do it. And, like, I get to do it on a different level than I do my other hobbies, you <laughs> know? But it kind of just thinks, keeps things in perspective for me.
0: It's funny. I mean, it, it's just interesting how we're in totally different industries, yet very similar uh, mindsets on it. Like, yeah. snowmobiling is the one thing. Before cameras, like, I'm a slider at heart, right? My day job is working with cameras, but snowmobiling is where it's at for me Mm -hmm. and that's like the one thing i can without tooting my own horn like i'm pretty good at riding snowmobiles right dirt bikes i'm pretty average like everything else pretty (laughs) average so it's really fun in the summer months going and doing these things and kind of starting from like ground zero again and figuring out the fundamentals but then winter comes around it's kind of like a sigh of relief i'm like oh, I know how to crash on this. I know what the machine's going to do. Yeah. You know, I'm comfortable. I'm one with this thing. But, you know, same concept.
1: Yeah. And I love the, I love some of the parallels that I've found. Um, Ken and I used to talk about this, where there's like parallels to me between driving and drumming. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing I really love about the k and because you've got to be sharp. you got to be focused. you got to be responsive. you got to everything. Your touch is, is delicate and needs to be, Strong at times, but finesse at other times. Yeah. All of these elements, and in the end, all four—you you know, you're both arms and legs are mm-hmm. are all doing their own thing, independent of each other, and they're all crucial. You can't take one of them them out of the mix. Yeah, and it's like the concentration and focus while using all four limbs and and doing some intense, fast paced thing where you need to just be on the ball and if you if you get sidetracked for even a moment you're f-ed. totally you know what i mean like you can if you're doing like some intense real driving you cannot oh. you cannot stray at all minimal room focus, for air you know and because of that you're cutting everything else off and you're just in the moment you're never more present than you are behind that wheel yeah and i mean sleds motocross, whatever it may be um when you're requiring your full body and your full attention mm-hmm. to me, there's just such parallels with drumming. Cause it's like, I'm using all four limbs and, and all of my focus and yeah. so much energy and exertion and all this stuff and concentration. But in the end, you're, you're also trying to make it fun. That's it, the objective is to have fun. This is passion and we love this shit. So, right. um, but yeah, the same thing. It's like, if I just start like daydreaming of shit while I'm playing, yeah. I might miss some notes. I might fuck up. I might, you know, forget a pause or whatever it may be. And it's like, you know, yeah, I'm going to I'm going fuck up at my job if I don't right. concentrate. I can't afford to not concentrate.
0: End of the day, you know, it's, it's a passion, but it's also a job. Yeah. And there's people there who, you know, spent money and time to come see you, and you you just want to make it the best
1: night they've ever had. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, they each person there has gone through whatever they've gone through to be at those shows, right. and it's like you owe it to them to give them the best show that night you know every crowd deserves to see the same 100 percent totally you know so you can't you can't stray and waver from totally. you know focus you
0: gotta do your job um yeah with that uh one of our riders this just sticks with me sane skinner yeah i've i've yeah. told you about Sane, and yeah mm-hmm. we've tried to align on a few things um he in, does a lot of guiding and instructing too and he said, "You want it to become a feeling. The second it becomes a feeling, whatever whatever it is you mm-hmm. drumming, dirt bikes, snowmobiles, side by sides. The second it becomes a feeling, it becomes like the next level of fun. Yeah. When you don't yeah. have to focus on every move you're making, where your where your feet are, where your hands are in the bars, where your throttle position is, yeah. when you're breaking, and it just becomes a feeling, and you're kind of in the flow state." I'm like, dude, that is universal for anything at a, at a high level.
1: Absolutely, yeah, that's such a great way of putting it. Like, yeah. for sure. I mean, because it is less, like, yeah, like in rather than like focus or whatever. It's more. It's more to me when I say focus. It's like being present, right? You know, where you just need to stay sharp. You need to stay focused. But yeah, exactly that. You have to be in tune and and feel it and and yeah, you can. You can feel the difference when you mm-hmm. ride. You know when you're a little disconnected and you're like, "Oh shit. Like, all right, like, yeah. bring it back home." Like Same thing for you, I'm sure. Just bring it back yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like you know like, "Oh, I got to get my head in the game." Right. You know what I mean? And and then it's all the difference in the world. And it, it, and ultimately it's like you shouldn't have to think about it tons. Mm-hmm. You know, being focused should be different than thinking about it, you know, in, in the way that it's like I'm not counting notes. I'm not like focused on my hi-hat and like my right arm hitting my hi hat. one
0: two three it's
1: like no that's gonna fuck it all up you're gonna just be overthinking and you're gonna there's not gonna be any pocket and groove yeah you know and same with driving anything it's like you can't just be all technical and not feel you know it's got to be just like settle into it you got to be one with the instrument or one with the Machine That just you know? stuck
0: with me. I mean, that's so universal. And once it becomes a feeling, you are like really at home with what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, to totally agreed. And I'll have days where I'm like, why is this not a feeling right now? I'm like, Oh, I am overthinking every aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And just what I have to do is like, just go do something simple for a second, mm-hmm. get back into it, get back into a groove. Like, how do you, have you ever had just like a, I don't want to say a train wreck, mm-hmm. <laughs> but an evening where things just aren't going right or, whether it's something tech related or whatever, and just trying to overcome that. And
1: oh yeah. Countless, countless times yeah. we did. Um, in 2017, we were on tour with green day out in Europe and we were playing Hyde park in London. And so I use what they call in-ear monitors, mm-hmm. which are what they sound like. It's like a custom molded headphone earbud kind of thing wires. Um, and uh, it goes to like a wireless pack that's on my belt and they're playing me by mix because those things with those just in, they're like the best earplug and you can't hear shit, right. you know? And so you need everything to be dialed so you can hear it all and hear it well. And when it, when it works, it's the best thing ever, you know? Um, we were playing this massive show. It was sold out in Hyde park, which was, I want to say like upwards of like 70,000 yeah, people or something venue. like, yeah, huge. And, um, and, My in-ear monitors were not working for most of the show. I was getting nothing, which means I'm not hearing my bandmates. I can't hear my own drums. And you're just hearing fidgeting and trying to figure it out. I've got 70,000 of whatever people staring at me. And that shit is intense, dude. But nothing like, as much as something like that pulls you out of it, it also forces you in it more than ever because you're just back to square one of like so what yeah what do you do just play the parts right you know what i mean they'll all play to me like just do your part and like whatever and try to keep your cool because you want to just have a meltdown like fix it ah! (laughs) and there's times you can like end up chucking something off of whatever because you have like a whatever tantrum but um but for the most part you just got to keep your cool and you got to just do the part and again it's like the crowd doesn't know anything is going wrong right even my bandmates might not know there's anything going wrong. There's times where there's technical difficulties that affect all of us, but and it's like, it's up to you to make everybody else think nothing's going yeah. wrong too. And so those shows are interesting. Cause you come off stage and everybody, it's like when it's all news to them, like, Oh really? I had no idea. You're like, good. You're like, yes. that's cause I'm a fucking professional. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know I mean? You're like, but, I did my job. Yeah. But yeah, man, there's been countless shows where things like that go wrong. But in the end it's like, well, I know my job. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know these songs, Yeah, you know, there's stressful times where like, if I can't hear a guitar playing an intro or whoever's playing the intro of that song, when to start. there's nothing I can't just like, maybe like I pop an ear out and I'm just like staring at Matt Freeman while he's playing like the bass intro or something. And I'm just like listening and listening, and listening. And I know where to come in. <laughs> yeah. And from there it's smooth sailing. You yeah. know, it's like you can usually work through any of those things, but it's like a heightened intensity when you have that many people staring at you and that kind of pressure. For sure. And and just like that show was during the day too. So it was just like daylight where I can see all those people. 70,000 people, people staring back at you. when it's nighttime, you don't realize. It's like you know there's that many people there. But when you don't see them, you can just play it off. Like, oh, I only see the first couple thousand and right. then it disappears to black. But a show like that, when it's like heads to the horizon, <laughs> you're just like, oh, my God. Like... <laughs> it's it's don't mess it up it's intense man
0: dude i can we could some other time i mean the logistics of those shows is just insanity too yeah i'm always like hats off to the guys transporting everything oh yeah flipping stages getting everything guitar techs, every everybody like dude that is like a a small city moving around the country
1: right and it it looks like there's four people up there doing the show you know what i mean but it's like no there's a it there's a village that without those people yeah. we're we can't do shit you know like it there are so many people from the promoters to the our agent to management people that coordinate so many moving parts and then getting those moving parts into action and making mm-hmm. it all work and everybody from the people that assemble the stages to the security crews, to the vendors, to the everything is like there are so many people yeah. that are credit to like a good show going off without a hitch. It, it it's like it's incredible. They're it's overlooked far too often. Yeah, because without those people, we wouldn't. You know, none of us would get to enjoy these shows like we do.
0: It puts it in perspective for me a little. Like so, this fall, <clears throat> excuse me, I I go on a tour. I say that uh-huh. in quotes. We do snow shows, just like, you know, like the the snow world of, like, SEMA type of stuff. Okay. And we have, like, I don't know, 20 of them between the East Coast, Midwest, and the West. And we're all split up. You know, there's guys in the East Coast, there's guys in the Midwest, and there's guys in the West. And I do, like, three of them a year. And they're kind of, like, two to three weeks in a row. And by the end of that, I'm like... Wow, that felt like a rally, <laughs> and then I like think about guys like yourself, and I'm like, dude, this is you guys got to be warriors to do this year after year. But, I mean, you enjoy it, of course. Oh, yeah, and it's, yeah. It's awesome. It's it's your passion. But every now and then, I just feel bad. I'm like, I can't be complaining. I'm like, I know guys that do this <laughs> thirty days straight, almost with no breaks in between. Yeah. But yeah. Well,
1: and and I mean, there's a lot of contrast for me in the way that it's like, you know, like I mean. It, it might feel like a lot of work. I mean, even just simply living out of a duffel bag Mm -hmm. can be tedious, you know, and, and being in a new city or new country every Mm -hmm. day, as rad as that is, it takes a toll on you. It takes a toll on you mentally and physically. Yeah. But I have that contrast of like, I worked manual labor jobs before this. I've, I've worked like some shitty jobs, some very underpaid jobs. Yeah. And I'm just like, anytime I find myself just wanting to gripe about anything, I just have a moment like, well, hang on,
0: look <laughs> yeah. where I, look where this I could am. be
1: a lot worse. Yeah, Like these are some, some luxury problems. If I'm like, you know, it doesn't make them any less real or, or, or not valid, but it's like, if I'm on stage at Hyde park playing a, yeah. <laughs> to that many people with green day and my monitors aren't working, that's frustrating and, and stressful and, and intense but, but there are worse days to have at work. Yeah, I could be <laughs> you know, like, I could be not
0: working tomorrow. Right? Yeah.
1: Like this could not be it. This yeah. I could be at Burlington Coat Factory <laughs> tagging women's shoes yeah. like I yeah. used to do. Like and and having a bad day at work doing that when I stepped on a nail on a pallet and had to go get a rabies shot and it's like stupid shit. Like yeah. it's like, no, that was I remember that not being a fun day at work too. Like that was annoying. Yeah. So this is not a very big deal. Maybe it's, it's just fine. In the grand scheme of things, you know? it's, it's pretty all right. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it doesn't make it any less valid where it's like when there's a lot of moving parts and someone's dropping the ball at their job, making it much harder for other people to do their job. It's right. like, you know, you gotta it's a team. crack some skulls afterward. Yeah, it's a team.
0: <laughs> well, Brandon, I, dude, I know we could probably go for another hour, but that just means we got to align again sometime here. Oh, absolutely. Do a follow up. Um, Dude, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Yeah. It's thanks been for having me. Awesome hearing your story and your positivity and just Hey, you know, you're just always smiling, always upbeat. <laughs> you're always nothing but a great guy to deal uh, with.
1: I have my days too, you know. what I mean, but I appreciate that.
0: I thank you for rocking our helmets out here and enjoying oh, yeah. that stuff too. I mean, that I feel like I'm like, dude. I feel like I owe you more than a helmet because I
1: appreciate everything you've done. So, uh, well, I appreciate it. And we we love the gear and and appreciate it. We're Good rocking. To hear it. We put all of our friends in five hundred nine, and and that's how what keeps us safe and alive out here. So, thank love you.
0: Love to hear it, man. Well. Yeah, we'll circle back for sure. I know I'm just the problem is I have all these things I'm thinking about, but I'm like, no, that's another hour. That's another hour. (laughs) Right. So anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed. Uh, Brandon, if you guys want to check everything out, if you're not familiar with Rancid, I suggest you dive into it. Check out Brandon's social. It's pretty cool following you through uh when you're on tour. I mean, you're always posting cool stuff. I love how you're enjoying the cities you're in yeah you're doing you're kind of doing the tourist thing you know oh yeah you want to go walk the streets check it out Uh, it's fun to see what you're up to so cool thank you uh if you guys are watching on youtube as always thanks for the comments we check them all out we love responding to them uh we love absolutely love when you get these five-star reviews on apple and spotify because it pushes it to more people so we can continue to have awesome guests like brandon here so as at this point i don't even know when this is coming out I think we're either weekly right now or bi-weekly at this point, but either way, either we'll see you next week or two weeks from now, one or the other. Appreciate it, man.
1: Uh, Thanks bud. Appreciate it.